Welcome to the Live My Dream podcast, hosted by me, Brendan Abernathy, singer, songwriter, and performing artist, traveling around the United States, living my dream, which I would love for you to follow along with on beabernathy.com. That's babernathy.com. On this podcast, I interview cool people doing cool things about their decision to step boldly into fear and make their dream a reality today. Hi, welcome to the Live My Dream podcast. This is Brendan Abernathy, your host, singer, songwriter, and performing artist from Athens, Georgia, coming at you live from Athens, Georgia, in the Hugh Hodgson School of Music, where unfortunately, apparently, Kaylee, it's a very exciting day for the trombones, as they have a ton of people practicing. I think it's like National Trombone Day or something I, at the <laughs> University of Georgia, I guess. So no, nowhere else. at Georgia. <laughs> Just so, in Athens. Yeah. Nowhere else. Very small holiday, Fantastic. but widely celebrated. So the person talking across <laughs> from me right now is Miss Kaylee German, dear friend of mine. We've worked at the Visitor Center together for about a year and a half. We give a hell of a tour. Uh, your chances are really ri- winding down. We've got like three weeks left of giving tours together, but... If you came on one, I'm sure it was amazing. You'll never forget it, honestly. So, so Kaylee, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And uh, we're having you on the show because Kaylee's actually going to work for the Peace Corps next year in Columbia. She was a history and... Political science. Political science major here at UGA. Next year, she will be in Columbia. What town? Uh, so I'll be in uh, Barranquilla for the first three months of uh, pre-service training. And then after that, uh, everyone kind of gets set into different sites. So they'll kind of take into account who I am as a person and my strengths and weaknesses and kind of send me where they think that I'll do best. Amazing. So before we get into the nitty gritty details of how Kaylee decided to live her dream, as the podcast is Mm -hmm. aptly called, we're going to ask her to answer a couple really tough questions. Yeah. Firstly, describe yourself in seven words. If I describe myself in seven words. Way more than seven words. Wait, I have to think about it before I say it. I just, (laughs) okay, so seven words. I can't just automatically come up with those. Seven words. um, uh, Maybe the only word that I would only describe to use myself except for others, but funny, uh, outgoing, kind, (sighs) driven, but nervous. Also nervous in a lot of ways. adventurous and uh friendly i think a lot of those are very much synonyms of each other because that's a lot of words but i think that that probably sums it up if i were to like mix those together that would probably be me cool so i'm really interested that you say nervous so tell us what your dream is what you're doing next year we know you're doing the peace corps we just talked about that and how that nervousness played into that decision to go after that yeah so um I say nervous because I th- I don't think it's, like, natural for anybody to not be nervous about certain things that they do in their life and in, like, even little parts of their life. Like, before I give a tour, I even get nervous, like, depending on the people that I've checked in and spoken to. But I think that whether you're taking a conventional life path or one that's something that a lot of, not a lot of people have heard of, I think regardless, you're nervous because it's the next step going into your life. I mean, every decision that you make, there should be a little anxiety behind it because if there's not, then it's not something that you're truly, that you really care about, you know? Um, so I 
Peace Corps was something that I didn't know about until I got to college. So I did a study abroad the summer after my freshman year, um, and I went to Botswana and South Africa. So I kind of like took an absolute leap of faith and as a history and poli-sci major went on a Warnell School of Forestry study abroad and spent a month learning how to be a safari guide. So um, if anyone listening needs a safari guide and wants to pay my plane ticket, I'll uh, 100% hook you up with some great animal facts. but even going on that, I mean, it just immediately, I'd never really been out of the country. Like, I've been to Niagara Falls, you know, and Canada isn't super, you know. It's out of the country. It's not exotic. It's not exotic by any means. <laughs> Canada is nowhere near what Botswana is. Not that we're the determiners of what's exotic, but. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I think as someone who, like, lived in Connecticut and did many trips to New York, Niagara Falls really isn't that exotic um, for most people, at least, at least for not for me. Um, but I think that the first time that I ever heard about Peace Corps was in a moment of kind of, I, I don't necessarily think I would describe it as culture shock, but it was my first time really being super away from home in a place that was completely different than anything I had ever experienced. And so within that, you kind of have a nervousness of, am I going to fit in? Is this a place where they see me as someone that they want to be friends with, as someone that they see as genuine? Like that's something that consistently is on my mind is, am am I being genuine in this very moment? And and if I'm not appearing genuine, like what is it about me that isn't going like that way? Um, But so when I first heard about Peace Corps, I was kind of in this huge wrapped up moment of, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is my first time being in a place I've never been before with people I've never met before and don't speak the language and just a lot of awesome things. And so Peace Corps sounded kind of in that moment, like ridiculously overwhelming because if I'm sitting here for a month and this is kind of overwhelming in the best ways possible, how in the world could I ever do that for two years? Man, are you struggling from not having the ideal summer that you were hoping to have? Or maybe you're just hoping to make some new friends in a fun way. Well, the Burrito Challenge is perfect for you. This episode of the Live My Dream podcast is made possible by the Burrito Challenge. Now, what is the Burrito Challenge? Well, the Burrito Challenge is the best day of the year. Now, I I have a lot of awesome days in my year. I'm thankful for that. But the Burrito Challenge takes the cake by being on top. Or moreover, it takes the burrito, I guess. Because what the Burrito Challenge is, is an all-day fun fest, including eating five burritos, three fun activity stops, and a day packed full of exciting surprises, one of which is a concert by me. Woohoo! And just by participating in it, you're helping raise money for St. Jude's, a recovery center based in Atlanta. And this year, it is only $50 to cover everything for the day. That is including five burritos, three amazing activities, an incredible day of surprises, a concert, and raising money for the fine people of St. Jude's. But if you use the promo code DREAM, that's right, DREAM, you get $5 off your registration. That's 10% off. That's amazing. So go check out the Burrito Challenge on Instagram at Burrito Challenge and go to their website at theburritochallenge.com and sign up for this awesome day. I personally will be there on Saturday, August 3rd. I would not miss it. It is truly such a fun day. I'll be playing tunes, eating burritos right alongside you and enjoying these awesome activities for the best day of the year at the Burrito Challenge. All right. So you talked a little bit earlier also about uncertainty and what that is like in terms of balancing like every decision we have, we have anxiety, we have uncertainty. Mm-hmm. 
So what's the balance of uncertainty and faith? And then how did you use your faith or how did you use your confidence or whatever you did use to Mm -hmm. make the decision to actually decide to do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary for most people, at least from where we come from in Georgia? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was talking to one of my friends is actually currently in Peace Corps in in Georgia, the country. Um, And we were talking about how crazy it is that, I mean, there's a little over 200,000 Peace Corps volunteers in the history of the entire program. I mean, it's been it's been a thing since 1961. And that's like less than how many alumni there are, like living alumni there are of the University of Georgia at any given time. It's just crazy how how little it is. Um, but I think for me, it was something that I thought about for a really long time. So the the jumps that I took, I think it's a crazier leap that I went to Botswana and South Africa and Oxford and then back to work in Botswana because those were things that I hadn't thought about for a long time. But because Peace Corps was kind of a seed that was planted in my head so early, it was always something that was kind of in the back of my head. And it was trying to figure out how that piece of the puzzle could fit into the rest of like where I wanted my life to go and what I wanted the Peace Corps experience to be for me and where I what I wanted to get out of it and what I wanted to put into it, I think. And so for me, the the first time being out of the country was for a little over a month. And then the next year I did three months at Oxford. So I did a, a full semester and that was even more time away from family. Um, cause I did a month after studying abroad with like a bunch of friends as well. Um, but it was, it was a step. It was like a stepping stone of kind of like, how long can I spend away from home? And it still feel like, like I want to spend more time away, you know? And so I think that that was something that was always in the back of my head was like, all right, this experience would be different from like Peace Corps would be different from Oxford in this ways, but it would be similar in this ways. And I think, especially when you're taking like a, a path that isn't, necessarily one that most people think of or most people have experienced or most people even kind of imagine it's a lot of times at least for me it was something that I thought about for a long time and it was something that had been on my heart for a long time um, and it took a lot of thinking and mulling over and figuring out okay when is this the right time to make this decision was there like a tipping point or a particular moment when it all clicked and you decided to go for it yeah so I think so sophomore year, after I had spent those three months away, I really thought saw it as more of a possibility, um, but never like a for sure thing. And so I met, I ended up meeting with a recruiter here at UGA for Peace Corps um, and talking to them a lot about it and was like, all right, I think this is something that is definitely on my list of things to do, but I want to explore kind of a lot of different things. And it was my junior year, um, it was first semester, and I had gone and met with an advisor really early. So I used to, I was a history major, a political science major, and a social studies ed major. So yeah, I was, I was three things, and I was determined to do them all, mostly, like, it's funny, people would be like, oh my gosh, why would you, that's so many majors, like, why would you do all of those, and you must be so driven, and my dad would be like, no, she's just indecisive, she has no idea what she wants to do, so there's just three different things that she wants to do and she'll figure it out later. And so junior year was that figure it out later for me because I was told like last minute that I was either going to have to stay an extra year or I was going to have to drop the ed major. And that was something that I had like my life planned out. Like I wanted to graduate college. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to work in law for a long time, education policy, and then come back and teach. And like that would be like my life that I would live out. Like I had a a professor or a teacher in high school that did that. And I was like, I want to be... Phil Livesey, like he's the coolest person I've ever met. And so um, 
when they told me that I was really going to have to make a decision within the next like week or two of whether I wanted to keep that education major or and stay an extra year or drop it, the first thing that came to my head was not, do I drop this major? It was, do I need an education major to be in the Peace Corps? And I think that was the moment when I realized how much I really actually wanted to do the Peace Corps and how that was kind of when that was the first worry that came to my mind that I cared so much about it that I wasn't thinking like, do I stay an extra year? Do I know people staying an extra year? Which major do I drop? Like I've spent so much time pursuing all three of these, like which one kind of is the one I'm ready to let go of? Like the first thing that I thought of, like I literally called Peace Corps headquarters in Atlanta and was like, do I need an education major to do this? And they were like, no, you don't. And I think that that for me, like calmed me down and helped me make that decision. And so when I, it was in that moment, I would say that I realized that's what I want to do. It's cool. How'd you pick Columbia? So I actually didn't. Columbia picked you. Yeah. So Columbia picked me. So uh, the way that the Peace Corps applications work now, it's changed a lot over the past 40, 50 years. Um, and you can actually apply to go anywhere or you can apply to a specific country. Um, and so obviously I have a huge affinity for Botswana. I absolutely love it. I've spent um, two summers in it and just love the people um, and, and love Africa in general. I've done a lot of traveling in Southern Africa. And so that was a place that I really wanted to go. But um I didn't think that that was my choice to make. Uh, and so many of the things that have meant so much to me and have been so foundational in kind of the direction that I'm going and the person that I am today have been things that kind of just like fell into my lap or were things that I didn't necessarily want. Like something that I was really upset about having to make a decision. And then when I was forced to kind of take a certain route, I met people and learned things that like I can never imagine my life without. And so I kind of... Um, when I was thinking about it, I actually like prayed for a really long time about it. Just kind of being like, I don't think that it's my decision of where I want to go. Like I kind of, it's, it's really a complete roll of the dice, but I know I'm going to end up where the Lord wants me to end up. And so when I applied, I applied to go anywhere. And so I put, um, a special emphasis on Africa and South America and said that I would love to be in either of those places. And then everywhere else after that, if they think that I matched better with a certain country or my talents were better for some place than I'd obviously go. But I mean, I, I had a preference for those two places and I got an email, uh, actually like two days after I submitted my application being like, you're under consideration for Columbia. And so I was like, holy moly, Swag. here we go. <laughs> Do you speak Spanish? See, here's the thing. <laughs> and this is honestly probably what I'm most nervous about as a person going into the Peace Corps is, is language because I've taken Spanish my whole life. I mean, I took Spanish from like kindergarten to sixth grade and then and then picked it, I guess, kindergarten, fifth grade and then seventh grade all throughout high school and then two years in, in college. And so I speak it, but I think the perfectionist in me is really like self-conscious about the fact that I don't speak it super well. Like I can understand it better and I can get across what I'm saying, but definitely doesn't sound pretty. Um, so, but I know that as soon as it, as I get into it, that the first three months is all language training and all job training. And so I know that by the end of that, that I'll be fine. And that's like what I keep having in the back of my head is like, you'll be fine in the end. But that's, that's a big like point of like, ah, like I do. And I could do it right now very poorly because I'm taking it in two years. But that's kind of the goal of the summer is to to work on that so that I feel more confident going into the entire thing. Awesome. So you have yet to leave for Colombia. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. 100%. It would be very difficult to have in Indeed. Barranquilla. Exactly. That, yeah? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So instead, we're going to talk about what you foresee as being kind of lifestyle, financial 
mm-hmm. spiritual, emotional, mental challenges, yeah. and then how you plan on overcoming them. Yeah. So start with maybe like a day in the life. Do you know anything about what that's going to look like in Colombia and mm-hmm. how you might be challenged or what you might love about a day in the life in Barranquilla, Colombia? Exactly. So um, as someone, like I said, I've thought a lot about this and it's been something that I have like read blogs and watched videos and just like followed the Peace Corps web- website so heavily and talked to a lot of returned Peace Corps volunteers and that kind of stuff. So um, I have a pretty good idea of it, but it, obviously it's different of when you're actually living it compared to when you're like, imagine living it. So I'll give you an idea of what it is. So um, the first three months, regardless of where you serve in the Peace Corps, if anyone's interested, um, are spent in pre-service training uh, in a larger city. So sometimes that's the capital. um, Sometimes it's not the capital. It just kind of depends on the region of the country that Peace Corps volunteers are placed in. Um, And so I will be placed with a host family for the first three months. Um, Will it be Shakira? Gosh, I hope so. Or a family of which, because I would really like to learn to dance. Show her my music if you're with Shakira. Oh, 100%. I already talk about it on my tours anyway, so. Um, But but seriously, so we'll be with the host family. um, And uh, we'll be outside the city. So, like, you have to have kind of find your own way of transportation inside, whether it's public transportation or walking or biking or whatever it ends up being. Um, And it's essentially, like, eight to five language training. So like, and especially so in Spanish countries for the Peace Corps, there's actually a requirement that you have to have taken at least a year in college of Spanish or some other equivalency of that. So um, everyone kind of comes in with obviously like a base knowledge, but some people come in as like native speakers and other people come in like me and they're like, I took it in high school and college. I, hello, hola. Like it just kind of, it just kind of varies. So they, they place you in language groups with like two to three different people. Um, and that's your, your place with someone who is going to teach you Spanish and is going to teach you the dialect of Spanish that is in the particular region. So like Colombia is known to have like some of the most beautiful Spanish ever, but I'll be in the coastal region. This isn't a but, I guess, but additionally, I'll be in the coastal region. So the coastal region Spanish sounds a lot like Caribbean Spanish. So you drop all the S's and you <laughs> you shorten your words and it's just, it's very different. So um, that'll be the other different thing is that it's a completely different dialect than any of the teachers that I've ever had when it comes to Spanish. Um, so it's, it's language training and it's job training. So I'll be a, uh, secondary education teacher trainer. So I'm kind of there as a, I mean, if we're being honest, I'm kind of there as like a wealth of knowledge on English. Like, obviously I speak that, um, but quite well, thank you. I thank you. I really like to show it off sometimes. Um, not too much though, but, but I, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, so so I'm there to help with lesson plans and uh, to be kind of an extra hand in the classroom to assist teachers. So it's, it's kind of like not trying to come in and teach a language that I don't particularly know as well, even though that's not like my major. It's not trying to come in and take people's jobs if that makes sense, or I'm not trying to tell them what to do. Like I'm there to kind of be an assistance to the to the programs and stuff that they are already having into it. So um, that's what the day will look like is not only job training, but a lot of intensive language training. Um, and then on top of that, it's it's getting to know the people around you. So like Peace Corps volunteers are not necessarily going to be like three in one city. Like you could be 40 minutes away from the nearest Peace Corps volunteer and you could be five hours away from the nearest Peace Corps volunteer. So it's it's kind of learning to build that network with other PCVs that can like be there because they know what you're going through and they're going through the in the same process you 
are an ENFP. And you're I very am. proud of being an ENFP. I am indeed. Um, an ENFP is a personality type, of course, meaning... Uh, extroverted, intuitive, feeling, perceiver. So as an extrovert, you like community and being around people. Yeah. Yeah, so are yeah. you nervous about being maybe isolated in the coastal region of Colombia? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that is one of the things that worries me, but also makes me really excited because as someone who definitely gets their, like, I don't know, gets their energy from being around people, but ENFPs are the most introverted of the extroverts. So I always like to throw that out there. So I do like a lot of my alone time, but cause I need time to process things. I need like a lot of time to like process things. Everything that's going around me. Um, but I am excited because it's literally going to force me to be embed myself in the community. So like, how do you plan to like deal with being alone? Because it's something that is really tough for a lot of volunteers. It's tough for people in general. I mean, it like pick yourself up and put you in a totally different place that you've never been before in a culture that you don't recognize. And anyway, it's going to feel isolated, even if you're surrounded by people, but it's going to force me to, to embed myself in a community in the same way that I would. Like if you think about how, each of us when we come to college in a place that we might not know as many people like for me as someone who came from out of state I didn't know anybody and so the way that I felt not alone when I came here is by meeting a bunch of people and walking down the hall and sitting with people at Bolton but I don't think that those will change when I get to Columbia and I think that's the important part that I have to keep in mind is that I have to use the the tools that I know how to use in order to embed myself in community and make myself feel like I'm at home and you're very good at relating people. So I think Thank you'll you. do an excellent job Thank you. in Columbia. If you know, yeah. what are you going to be doing day to day in the classroom in Columbia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be um, like a, however you decide, a, a TEFL program or a teaching English as a second language, teaching English as a foreign language. So it's going to be working with secondary students. So that's going to be upper level high school students. Um, and that's going to be mostly focused on preparing their English for what is what it's going to be most used in that particular, like whatever town that I end up in. So um, for uh, some particular volunteers that are much closer to the big tourist attractions, so like the coastal region is where all of the big beaches in Columbia are. It's where all the cruise ships that come through Columbia are. Um, So a lot of times that could mean teaching English for tourism or teaching English to kind of grow your business so that it is attractive to tourists that come through and kind of of support your family through that way. Um, Whereas other times it could be teaching English to just know English. I mean, like it is, we are so lucky that like it's our first language and because it is the most powerful. I mean, you you go anywhere and you speak English. Like I remember meeting two girls when I was in Switzerland who they were from completely different countries, completely different languages, but they both spoke English and they were best friends. They meet up like once every year and, and go travel with each other. I mean, it's just, it's a phenomenally powerful thing to have a common language. And so that's kind of, what a lot of people are going for as well. So if it's, whether it's English for tourism, whether it's just English to be able to communicate or English to grow your business or English to just look at other study options. I mean, people study abroad in the US in the same way that we go and study abroad in all these different places. So um, to just kind of find what's best for the community and teach towards that. Because I mean, I'm sure you remember like learning Spanish in high school and even in college, like you go through little units of like, this is the language, this is the Spanish that you would use when you get on an airplane. And this is the Spanish that you use when you're talking about your house. And this is what you talk about when, I don't know, like some like sports or something like that, you know? So it's kind of tailoring those lessons and being there 
for the teachers there to kind of give more personalized attention to everybody. So you kind of are bringing everyone up instead of having the couple students that are really picking up on the language really quickly. I want to take one more brief moment to remind you about the Burrito Challenge. And the reason why I'm reminding you twice on today's episode is because it is this Saturday, August 3rd, and I really want to see you there. So please check it out. Again, promo code is DREAM, and you get $5 off. So go check it out. Now Kaylee and I are going to talk a little bit about the future. Two years down the road. Mm-hmm. What do you think you're going to be doing? What skills are you going to have gathered? <laughs> you know, what is next for Kaylee German? And can you please pass me that LaCroix? Mm-hmm. Uh, pass I'm drinking LaCroix today. Obviously, I would usually be drinking Dr. Pepper. Yeah. But I'm trying to be a little bit healthy. Um. So, yeah. I just, yeah. No, you're fine. He just stared really longingly at this LaCroix for everyone who obviously can't see him right now. But anyways, um, so post, post Peace Corps. Um, so that kind of goes back to what I did this last summer. So this past summer, I had like the coolest opportunity in the world. Um, I was an intern with the State Department at the U.S. Embassy in Botswana. So I literally worked at an embassy for like two and a half months under some of the coolest people that I've ever met in my entire life um, and got an inside look at like what the heck actually goes on in an embassy, you know. Um, So it uh, was really cool. It's something that I I kind of when I was looking through the career paths that I wanted to pursue, like any poli sci in itself is kind of like you have no idea where anybody goes when they're a poli-sci major. Like, you could go into consulting, you could actually go into politics, you could go into finance. Same with history. Like, what does a history major do? I don't really know. Um, I'll tell you, I've got a lot of friends that, that <laughs> pursued that in a lot of different ways and are doing absolutely great for themselves. But those are kind of two, like, majors in themselves that who knows what the heck you do with them afterwards. It still, like, leads to a lot of questions. Whereas if you major in, like, finance or biology or journalism like you kind of have an idea of where you're going so um diplomat was kind of one of the things that I thought about doing um and and I kind of just started googling how the heck do you become a diplomat um and so the way that you do is uh there's kind of different ranks of diplomats which I guess I won't get into that because this isn't a podcast about diplomats but you become a foreign service officer (laughs) we can just shift it into (laughs) an autobiography turned into a biography (laughs) I just spit my LaCroix everywhere um which was just great um but so i i kind of found that the path to be a diplomat is is through what's called the foreign service and so um there's internships through the state department to kind of give you an idea into what a foreign service officer does um which is kind of really super awesome so there's a couple different ways that you can go with that and so i decided that i would love to go back um to africa specifically botswana and work in the public diplomacy department so public diplomacy is mostly focused around um press so they're kind of the face of the embassy in whatever country they are kind of stationed in um they also do education so education usa the fulbright scholars all that kind of stuff is navigated through there um as well as like attending different parties from different embassies and and stuff like that there's a lot a lot that goes behind being um a PD officer. And so I got the chance to like learn under this amazing, amazing PD officer who's one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. And like right off the bat, like I walked in and I don't know if you ever had this feeling, but like when you walk into a place, you're like, holy moly, like I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know that by the end of this, I'm going to learn a lot. Like I'm going to learn so much. And so like the second or third day that I was there, she had me writing a speech for the ambassador and like 
later on i it's a good thing you're good at english yeah (laughs) i really got to show it off there i was really proud of it um but I got to write a speech to the ambassador and I got to attend meetings with like the World Bank and I got to represent PD in the department when we were kind of like coming up with strategies on how to like be the most effective uh, in Botswana and how to like help them achieve their goals. I mean, it was just like, it was absolutely insane. And so um, there's a lot of Peace Corps volunteers or RPCVs, return Peace Corps volunteers that are in the Foreign Service. And so there were two that were there, one who served in the Dominican Republic and one who served in Mongolia. And they, uh, James and Lizzie, were like two of the coolest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like hearing their stories and their love of it and kind of the encouragement that they gave me was like the nail in the coffin of like, this is what I'm doing after I graduate. Like Peace Corps is it for me. Um, And so we, the way that you get into the foreign service is you have to take a bunch of tests. You have to take tests and then an oral exam and all this kind of stuff. So my plan after, if you'd asked me now, which who knows, lots of changes in two years, Mm -hmm. especially when you're living in a foreign country. But um, I would hopefully be applying for either the Pickering or the Wrangell Fellowship, um, which, aims to bring in kind of like underrepresented groups into the foreign service so like people of color and uh women and um people that come from kind of like less privileged economic backgrounds as well and so to kind of um go through pickering and wrangle and attend grad school so they pay for your grad school as well as um they do and now which is really great um and they also uh sponsor you for essentially two internships so exactly what i did you do an internship at an embassy and you do an internship in dc kind of seeing what the state department is in washington dc and so uh, i'd honestly probably come back to uga and get my master's in international policy or my master's in public administration because uga just has such a good program um and it's comfortable like it's there's there's few things in my life that i feel like feel like home because I've moved around so much and like Athens will always feel that way it will always be comfortable um and so I after two years of kind of being completely out of my comfort zone I feel like it'd be nice to come back to something that I feel like I know um and so post Peace Corps if you would hopefully find me back in Athens working on my master's and then heading right into the foreign service because the other great thing about Pickering and Wrangell is that you don't have to take those like you don't have to go through the super long process of the tests and the interviews and waiting on the list like you just go straight into service which is what I want to do very nice we are going to take a quick break right here to check out one of my unreleased songs called three blocks down the road when we come back Kaylee and I are going to continue discussing very interesting and pertinent things to you as Kaylee is going to share her life hacks and her advice. But in the meantime, I really hope you enjoy the sneak peek of an unreleased song that's called Three Blocks Down the Road. Transitioning here um, as we kind of wind down the clock on the podcast, we have two segments left. Segment number one, life hacks. So shout out to my buddy Kyle Larson for introducing me to life hacks through our listserv in college. So Kyle, this is inspired entirely by you. 
and Kaylee is about to give us her life hacks. So Kaylee, what are your life hacks for anyone listening? Um, and me. And you, yeah. You most certainly need them, Brendan. That's true. Um, so I think probably my, my biggest life hack, and it's something that I actually learned from my orientation leader, Darby. Um, Darby, you're the bomb. Yeah, I hope she listens to this because probably doesn't remember me at all. But thanks, Darby. <laughs> you really helped me out on a lot of stuff. Um, but always be the first to say hi. Always be the first to say hi. I always point that out on my tours as well because there's so many times I feel like especially now that there's so many other things you could be doing besides saying hi to somebody. You could be looking at your phone. You could be listening to music. You could be staring off into the distance and trying not to make eye contact when you walk by somebody, you know. But when you say hi, like, you immediately create, like, a connection. And you never know where that can go. You absolutely never know where that can go. Um, And so I think that's the absolute biggest thing that you can do, whether you're on an elevator or walking upstairs or you are in a classroom or sitting down next to somebody in the dining hall. Like, always be the first to say hi because that opens up something that you never know could absolutely change the way you look at things rapid fire on these app everyone needs to use acorns it's a great app that allows you to like it rounds up your money and it invests it so like i got that app my sophomore year and i have like money that's put away and it's like being invested in these big firms and i don't know anything about finance and or money and or investing things but whenever i spend a dollar and 50 cents it takes 50 cents it rounds it up and puts it in there and invests it to these big things so i think acorns is a great thing you're great great one non-self-help book any biography about a founding father history major <laughs> best one um see i'm a and this is this never sounds good but i'm a big andrew jackson fan <laughs> in <laughs> in like who i know i know it never comes out good but i'm a huge andrew jackson fan and just the like person in the intricacies he's the very first person that ever made me realize that other people live just as complexly as you like that was like that somber feeling you know exactly what you're going for in Uh, your song i have a songwriting initiative called sonder it's that sonder that's what it is and um and so he was like the first person that like i read through and i was like this man doesn't make any sense when i'm reading these things but then when you dive into his past and his life and his incredible like love story you're like holy moly this all makes sense to me so, What's the name of it? Um, it's called like American Lion. Okay. American Lion American is what it Lion. is, and that's a really good one. Final album you're listening to that's blowing your mind or changing uh, your life? Uh, OAR, The Revolution. It's I am absolutely blown away with, by it, and I can't stop listening to it. So and for those that don't have time for, which everyone does, but for those that think they don't have time for a 40-minute album, single, or song, you might be off that album or maybe something else. Yeah, uh, California. Honestly, I think it, I made Brendan listen to this the other day by just persistently texting him about it. I did, um, and I just I actually think like honestly for this for this podcast, it's great because it just talks about like do what you want to do, like go after what you want to go. And for this person that's singing, it, it talks about like going off into California, but kind of taking those risks and just being like go for it because you're gonna regret it if you don't. Fantastic. Final thing for anyone listening, for you, the listener who is on the border of making a decision that maybe they don't feel a ton of support for or that they just don't think they're going to receive support for, what would be your words of exoneration or wisdom or encouragement? Yeah. I just think that when you look back on the things that have made you happy in your life, 
and really the things that kind of took you by surprise and how much they ended up affecting you so often those things are or those events are something you never thought that you ever would have done or something that made you nervous before you did it or something that when you look back you were super 50 50 on whether that's the college that you chose to go to or the major you wanted to pursue or somebody that you wanted to talk to in class and that past experience I think is what pushed me to go after exactly what I wanted to is that when I looked back on the things that made me happy and the things that like made my blood pump and that I was super excited about what I did they were all things that in the moment before them I was incredibly nervous about and was super on the fence and really could have gone either way and so I think knowing that and knowing how those past experiences have played out for me and how much they've impacted me is the biggest motivation to do what scares me. I love it. When you're 50-50, do it. What a fun conversation and really just a fun person that Kaylee is. And I'm sure you picked up on that. And as a result, I really hope that you want to follow along with her journey as she goes to Columbia to serve people in a really beautiful and amazing way. The best way to do that is to shoot her an email so that she knows to put you on her listserv when she starts it at kaylee.german at gmail.com. That's K-A-Y-L-E-E dot j-e-r-m-a-n at gmail.com you can also follow her on instagram at kaylee.german but she says she doesn't use it very much and if you have anyone that you know that you think would be an excellent fit for the live my dream podcast please do not hesitate to reach out on my website through the connect tab and if you just want to sit down and have a meal and talk about your dream with me there's nothing i would love more than to do exactly that Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Live My Dream podcast. It's truly an honor to have these conversations with amazing people, and I hope you're learning a lot from them and growing in your ability to dream as well. And I hope you'll tune in next week when I sit down with my good friend Brock Garrigan, who spent three years consulting in Washington, D.C., and is now going into seminary, and we have an amazing conversation. In the meantime, go live your dream. The Live My Dream podcast is edited and produced by Brendan Abernathy, and all music therein are his own original works to which he owns all the rights. On this episode, you heard the theme song of the Live My Dream podcast, which is called The Rap Race and can be found on all digital music streaming platforms under the artist's name, Brendan Abernathy. You also heard a sneak peek of a song called Three Blocks Down the Road, which will be out sometime in October. In the meantime, I would love for you to follow along with my journey on Babernathy.com. I'm about to set off on my nationwide tour, and I would love for you to join. And if you're in a city that I'm coming to, I would love to spend some time with you. Per usual, at the very end of my episodes, I have a little nugget of something. This week, my nugget is that I've been failing a lot. And an important lesson to learn is that failure really is not the worst thing in the world. And that we just got to keep on moving. It's pretty cliche, but that's what I'm learning right now.